Welcome to the Humans of Real Estate, your weekly podcast chatting with real estate industry professionals. We bring you top performing individuals to showcase their knowledge and expertise in the business to help others learn and grow. Here's your hosts, Kobe Clark-Jacobs and Emily Wallace. From Marsha White is passionate about people and property. Matt is a hardworking sales executive and auctioneer who is committed to ensuring his clients' needs are met and he sells all over Melbourne. Matt also runs a successful real estate podcast just like us called Zoomcast, which we will dive further into today. We are so excited to have him on this podcast episode. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm a lot more comfortable on that side of the mic than, uh, than this side, but um, <laughs> a, a, pl- a pleasure to be on and hopefully I can add some value. Definitely. Now, just quickly off air, um, to bring everybody up to speed, the real estate listeners, I'm sure in recent weeks you've seen an Instagram page circling around (laughs) that we were having a bit of a laugh about, um, Lords of Property. Matt, any suspicions of of who's behind it or a bit unclear? I've got no idea who it is. Whoever it is is uh, bloody clever. There's some uh, some pretty funny content (laughs) on there. And I tell you what, if you want to break your day up and uh, have a bit of a laugh at um, our industry, all in good fun, I hope, then, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a page to have a look at. It's unbelievable. hundred percent. If there's a listener who thinks they know who's behind it, um, please send a message or DM mm-hmm. us on our Humans of Real Estate Instagram page. We'd love to, <laughs> we'd love to find out and crack the code, but for now it's a bit of entertainment to, um, have a bit of a watch of. Matt, I would love to hear your backstory because we're going to get into more about the, the Zoom cast and about recent times and things sure. like that. But what was your avenue into real estate? What's what's the story? Yeah, I um, I don't think anybody's got a real conventional uh, entry into this industry. It's um, it's extraordinary some of the backstories that you hear, and I've had the fortune of, of hearing many of them on um, Zoom cast. But um, for me, I was I was a journalist before I got into real estate, and I. I had aspirations to be a sports journal. That's really what I wanted to do. And um, I looked up to, you know, guys like Bruce McAvaney and, and Mike Sheehan and, um, you know, would always read the paper uh, back to front and mum and dad never got happy about that. But that's what I used to do. So I went to uni, um, I did a Bachelor of Commerce, which I fell asleep in most lectures that I was at. And then I um, uh, said, no, I've, I've got to follow my passion. So I had an arts degree on at Deakin and um, did a journalism major and then became a journalist out, out of uni. And um, the sports round was always pretty difficult to get into. So the opportunity that was afforded to me by Fairfax was a commercial writing gig, which focused heavily on writing about real estate. Um, and the chief of staff of Fairfax called me and said, oh, we've got a real estate writing opportunity. Would you be interested in that? Have you ever written about real estate or, or do you have a passion for it? And I said, absolutely, I'd, I'd love to. And um, uh, so I would write the the lead story, the cover story for the domain lift out out of the local rag in in my part of town in the western suburbs. So um, that's what I did for for a couple of years. And then through that, I had an opportunity to meet uh, real estate agents on a weekly basis who would allow me access to properties to do that property write up. And then that's where the opportunity to um, transition out of writing about real estate and, and selling real estate came from. So. Um, and that's about 11 years ago now. So started in the West with um, uh, an LJ Hooker franchise. Uh, I was the sales manager of that office, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then I took a, a really big risk for, for me. I um, grew up on that side of town, friends, family, school, contacts, all there. I, I didn't know a street on this side of the Westgate Bridge. I, I didn't have a contact. I didn't go to school here. Don't know many people here, but um, I wanted to I wanted to see whether I could make it 
on on this side of town. And, and Luke Savile's a really good friend of mine, and he gave me an opportunity to uh, to link up with some people at Marshall Wide, and that's where that journey began. So, yeah, sorry for the long winded answer, but um, that's the journey. And you're enjoying yourself at Marshall Wyatt? Yeah, a fantastic team, um, great people. Uh, people, one of the great leaders in uh, in the industry. There's so many top operators that you have an opportunity to work with, but also pick the brain of. They're successful people I've learned uh, are really sharing and, and giving with their time. And um, you were teaching me some great things about social media off air, which um, you know your rise through the ranks on social media has been phenomenal. So just just a nice opportunity to meet so many talented people and, and learn the craft from them. And when you refer to this side of the West Coast, you're obviously meaning the Bayside area and the southeast suburbs. <laughs> am, yeah. um, so when you jumped the bridge to that side, yeah. what in those early days, what was your strategy or method to actually, you know, knock on doors and get some contacts given that presumably most of your contacts were on the other side of, of the fence? Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good question. And I think um, I had to, I had to put ego aside mm. early. So I, I was an okay agent in the West. I'd worked there for five years and and did okay, but I genuinely felt like I was starting again. Day one, week one of real estate, um, everything I sold in the West was was private sale campaigns. So auction campaigns and strategies surrounding auction was not something that was um, a, a strength of mine and something I had to learn pretty quickly. Um, in terms of building contacts and, and making a name for myself, I think the biggest strength that we had at Marshall White was the internal team. So utilising a lot of agents within the office, helping out at open for inspections, at auctions, um, going along to listing appointments with them and learning the craft as to how the business operates here and then through that started to build some momentum on my own. But um, gee, for the first six or or 12 months, I I didn't set the world alight by any stretch. It was a a bit of a grind, but um, it's nice to see now after five or six years at Marshall White and in this part of the world, you start to see some clients come back to you and, and had a really good experience on the buying side and naturally they've become sellers and that's um, that's where some of the momentum now has come from. Do you find that majority of your vendors now are people that are purchased off you in the past or how do you get most of your referrals? Yeah, it's a really good question. So um, for, the, for the leads that I self-generate, which um, typically are either met at an open for inspection and have had some nice follow-up through the journey, maybe starting as a buyer and then becoming a seller, um, People that have bought through us become sellers as well, which is fantastic. And then the internal team of Marshall White offers up a specialisation uh, on certain pieces of real estate in certain parts of the world. So if uh, if an agent from our Armadale office, for example, had a really good client that had an Art Deco apartment in Elwood, um, respectfully, they'd say, Matt, you've sold enough of those. Uh, you'd be the right person to bring along to that appointment. We'd love to um, we'd love to have you as part of the listing uh, opportunity and then you'll help represent that person's client um, because you're a specialist within that certain price point or or part of the world or, or piece of property that they're dealing with. So they're sort of the three main avenues for, for me. What would you say is the most underrated skill in being a real estate agent? Reading the play. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, reading the play. So anybody can, can watch enough – content videos about dialogue, um, how to prospect, how to list, how to negotiate, how to sell, how to keep a deal together. And that's that's great stuff. But when to use certain pieces of dialogue mm. coupled with showing some genuine empathy mm. to a client situation, um, th- there's different reasons why people buy and sell and um, having an understanding as to what they're going through on a day-to-day and, and really taking on board their needs and wants I, I think is critical. And that comes back to 
a skill which is bloody hard to teach and that is reading the play. So um, for some clients, you, you might need to push a little bit harder to convince them that it is the right option for them to buy or sell. Um, for others, it, it might be a case of, of caring but but not that much. Like you might take away an opportunity and say, well, it's up to you. I, I don't mind what you do. It's, it's not going to make, make or break me but it may be in your best interest. So reading the play without a shadow of a doubt is is the hardest skill to learn. I think it comes from from industry experience and hanging around the right people. And I assume, you know, that could equal in some situations actually um, leaving potential deals. Like if it's not the right thing, if it's not the right match, I think, you know, an extension of, of reading the room or reading reading how that's going to play out also might be, and I think a lot of agents struggle with this, is saying no to things. Um, I don't know that... I mean, on your your side of things, it's so competitive out there, yep. right? You're all fighting for listings. There's so many of you. Um, and, you know, there's some great brands, but of course people are choosing an individual under an umbrella. Um, and I can only imagine that when you get into a listing presentation or an appraisal that all you want to do is get the deal right. But if you actually take on that mentality of reading the room and reading those potential vendors and they're not a right fit for you and they're actually going to suck up some more time than if you were to go out and prospect for some other potentials. Have you ever said no to a, to something? Yep. yep. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think the longer you're in the industry, the more you value time, your, your energy, your mental space. Um, just, just going back to your point, it's an interesting mm-hmm. one because it is a competitive industry and um, we're, we're all competitors by nature, and I think most most agents have, have got that real competitive drive in them, particularly if you've been in the industry for a long time. But if you walk through the front door of somebody's property and the first thing you're thinking about is how do I win this listing mm. as opposed to how can I pro- best provide some value to help this client in their specific situation that will get them from A to B and achieve the, the best price that you possibly can, that will make you a winner in the long run in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, as opposed to how do I beat X, Y and Z agent – with all due respect, I couldn't care less mm. who else has been in there. How can I provide value? How can I help them get from A to B, get them the best possible price I can, give them the best experience I can? Do you find that you are put up against other agents often or is it normally just you being called in for an appraisal? Yeah, I think I think you'd be naive to think that people aren't speaking to other people. Um, if you've got a relationship, and I, I know this is um, this is stuff that we've all heard before. But if you've got a good relationship with somebody, they know you, they like you, they trust you. Um, you've got a good track record of success, and they know that you're going to do the right thing by them genuinely. Um, then it's it's more unlikely that you're probably competing for that for that piece of real estate. But there are so many avenues now that vendors have to um, attract agents to to come and list their property. So um, you'll see leads come in from realestate.com now, where somebody will jump on and search for an agent in a specific suburb, have a look at their performance and then choose the top two or three or four to come and have a look at their property. So um, being aware of, of the fact that you've got some competition is great, but probably anticipating that you might have it in the from the start might help as well. For a change of pace, I would love to hear how your Zoom cast started because <laughs> I know it started during lockdown and yep. um, I actually remember watching a fair bit also through Instagram um, of the people you're interviewing yep. and um, it seems that you're super passionate about talking and talking to and learning from people in the industry. Yep. How did that all come about for you? Geez, lockdown, lockdown gave people a lot of opportunity to, um, to focus on things that they might have let go 
by the wayside. And for those that have children, they got to spend a lot of time with them or their partners at home. And I've got a lovely partner in Danielle. But um, I, I, um, I've always had a passion to try and combine some of my journalism background with with what I do day to day in real estate. And I've always thought about a podcast or some video interviews. But to be honest, I hadn't had the courage or the time to invest in it. Um, and then lockdown gave us that time and opportunity to do that. I'm really good friends with Brendan Allen, who was episode one and um, was in part of Marcus's team, uh, Marcus Kimonello at Marshall White for a long time. And um, Brendan's one of the best real estate agents I've ever met in my life. And I think he'd be just over 30 or just under 30. So, um, you know, skill set's amazing. We've got a great relationship. He's a very funny guy and a very intelligent guy. So I thought he he and I could do something together. That's that's literally how the idea started. Um, and then the feedback that we got respectfully on social media was, was quite positive. And I thought, well, there might be something in this. I don't know exactly what it is. 17 episodes in, I still don't know exactly what it is, to be honest. But um, it's a lighthearted look at um, hearing the backstory of some some really good operators in real estate. Um, we talked about the unconventional method of how people get into the industry and um, – you know, it's nice to hear that Marcus Kimonello flipped hamburgers before he became who he is in Turak. It's nice to hear that James Tossman wasn't, you know, an all-star from from day one, week one, and to hear that journey. I don't think there's any better story uh, in life than a rags to riches or a, you know, I didn't have much and now I've got plenty as a result of that grind, effort and hard work. And that's what Zoomcast might provide for, for a couple of people that tune in. Yeah, I think it's um, you know, an opportunity to get a peek behind, you know. Exactly. Particularly I think in lockdown people are more willing to have a chat, you know, like the the times available, um, they're happy to put their their thoughts forward. There was a real uh, I don't want to get too deep. There, there was a real vulnerability that that came out of of COVID and lockdowns and you're right, people were really prepared to share and um, you know, nobody nobody um enjoyed what, you know, what COVID's done to us financially and business-wise, but there have been some glimmers of, of hope and some gold that's that's come out of it, whether it's reconnecting with relationships with with your partner, your children, friends that you haven't spoken to in as long because life's gotten in the way. It was a nice chance to reset, um, turn the burners down for a little bit and you know, reconnect with some some people. And um, I think everybody who's done that feels really good about doing it and have realised that we should do it more, you know, whether it's the deal at 9.30 at night, that's great. But there's also an opportunity to to call a friend and say, how are you going? Let's let's catch up and check in on anyone. Where do you see the Zoomcast going next? Jeez, I think um, I think Emily Wallace and, and Kobe should um, should be a guest at some <laughs> stage. I think that would only be fair. We had an opportunity to get Matt Leonetti on from um, from Canada, who's, who's well-known on, on Instagram, is one of the funniest people I've ever seen from a real estate perspective. So it's nice to get that sort of audience on there. Um I, I probably want to branch out of the, the Marshall White circles. There's so many great operators within our company. Sure, but a nice opportunity to go to some top performers in, in other parts of, of the state, of, of the country, and get as many people on that can that can have a laugh, tell a backstory, and add some value to a listening audience. It, you, you're not taking a notepad and a pen and listening for 45 minutes to, to get, you know, the best scripts and dialogues. That's not what it's about. It's about humanising, for lack of a better term, humans in real estate, humanising our industry and and, um, and getting the backstory from a lot of top performers. Do you think over your course of time of being in the industry, do you think that collaboration is becoming more or less common? Collaboration from? 
As in the collaboration of not necessarily sharing listings or things with other agencies, <laughs> I think that's never going to happen, but more so the willingness to not be siloed in a brand and accepting the fact that you can actually learn from other agencies or people. Definitely. Um, the, the, the guys that are at the top of Marshall White, one thing I learned really early coming from the Burbs was that the – the relationships that they have with their competitors by the by are actually quite strong and they're quite friendly with a lot of people that they would compete with, for lack of a better term, within the industry. There's a really healthy professional courtesy and, and respect. Um, there's plenty to go around for everybody. So to cross-collaborate and learn from Emily Wallace about how to do social media better, wow, you know, I've, I've learned a few things today you might hopefully pick up a few things about the way we go about things so um yes i think there's a huge appetite for it i think people are more connected than ever through the world of social media and um and i think we should be cross collaborating more often yeah i think it's definitely as a rising thing that's that's sort of coming out of the industry i don't know what it's like in other industries i feel like we just wear this bubble of real estate and we're kind of not exposed to, yep. to too much else. We live and breathe it, you know, as most people have said, as we've interviewed them, it's a lifestyle choice and it very much is because it can be quite consuming. 100%. How do you find balance in all of all of this? Obviously, you know, you're an auctioneer, an agent, you've got Zoomcast going as well. Yep. Um, how do you find balance personally? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I've, I've never really given it too much thought because I probably don't have the answer to be honest but I think there's you've got to have an understanding that it can be an all-encompassing world particularly in the early parts so you're in the early part of real estate what's your goal it's to let as many people know that you do this for a living that you have a track record of success based on what you've done in the past and that you're growing a business and a personal brand that ultimately will get out into the marketplace and, and filter through so that people can think of you when the time comes to sell a piece of real estate. That's that's the basic essence of of what we do. So in order to do that, you, you've got to you've got to work some pretty long hours and put in a fair amount of effort in multiple streams to ensure that people know who you are, what you do, and, and why you're good at what you're doing. Once you once you've developed a bit of a, a brand um, in the industry, you'll leverage your time in a different way. So instead of mail drops and, and cold calls and door knocks, you're going to be calling repeat clients, past clients, people that are warmer to you and you're warmer to them as a result of what you've done in the industry. And that helps from a time management perspective. That helps from a, a calendar management perspective, if you like. And um, you can deal with clients that you're more comfortable to deal with on a daily basis. So there's no right answer for work-life balance. You know, you look at a guy like Matt Pelios, two kids, wife, the, the guy's working ridiculous hours. But it works for him and there's always a purpose behind what he does. So do what works for you. Don't think that you need to pick up a book and say work-life balance means this. Well, it might for that person, but it might not for you. And, and if you're working some long hours, just make sure that you're putting in the right amount of effort and energy for those that are really close to you. So partner, kids, um, make sure that they're still the, the most valued part of your life as opposed to, you know, client A and client B. On a less serious note... Um, do you Thank have God. any? <laughs> do you have any horror stories? No, I don't. It's um, I, I've been uh, I've been pretty fortunate um, in my career to have to work with some really amazing people, and and uh, I'd love to give you some juice and, and some goss, but I don't have any horror stories really. Um, no, it's it's all, it's been about progression. It's been about restarting. It's been about taking the plunge and, and putting in some energy and effort into. Uh, this part of the world and, and trying to start from zero and, and make something of yourself 
here. So no, I don't, I don't have any, <laughs> I don't have any guys I can spell. I'm sure there'll be plenty of agents that do though. We've had some, we have heard of some stories on the podcast and off the podcast yep. of situations that, um, yeah, just like, you know, tenants moving out of properties that are being sold and how they've left the property or walking in on people. It's, you know, yeah. there's juicy stuff that happens out there, but maybe not to everybody. It <laughs> depends on where you work, I guess. The listenership of this podcast is quite varied. There's a lot of agents um, who would be colleagues of yours, really, who, who listen to the podcast. Yep. There's people who are looking to get into the industry as well. There's people who are not even in the industry at all. Um but on a high level view, where do you, what changes do you see in the real estate industry sort of in the next five years? I'm 35 yep. and, and I, I love being this age. I know that might sound like a wanky mm-hmm. comment, but I'll explain. I think you have the ability to, to connect with the younger audience, you know, and you're understanding the world of social media and, and what's important to them. But, but rightfully, you can also connect with the more mature and experienced established audience as well. So some things have changed, but some things will never change. So that personal connection, that relationship, that that face-to-face opportunity when we can do this now, what meeting you two today in person as opposed to emailing, texting, calling, Instagramming, this is far better for me. I'll get far more out of the 45 minutes that we're here together today as opposed to you know, a little message on, on Instagram. So you speak to a guy like Jack Bongiorno, who they call the godfather of real estate. Mm-hmm. He, he, he still carries a, a paper diary around and he's absolutely hell-bent on having face-to-face meetings and appointments. And I know COVID's had an impact on that. We've moved to Zoom, but even that even that face-to-face connection as opposed to um, a text message or a, or, a, or a voice message or whatever it is um, – so I think I think technology is clearly going to have an influence on real estate and the ability to get a piece of real estate out to more people and have more eyeballs on something through video and social media platforms, sure. But there's going to be so much that doesn't change in terms of a handwritten note, mm. a card, a letter, a gift, um, spontaneity, face-to-face opportunity. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think it's a balance. I think we both agree with that. Yeah. 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 Most definitely. Yeah. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure to Thank have you. you on. Please go and check out Matt's Zoomcast, guys, because he's interviewed some awesome people and hopefully we can, you know, maybe even cross-share some of our people <laughs> who've interviewed and, you know, keep the chat going. But thank you so much for being willing to share with us today your insights. You. Um, and we wish you all the very best for the rest of 2021. No, likewise. It's been a pleasure to be here. This is far more professional than, uh, <laughs> than Zoomcast. It, so, it, um, it probably looks more and we're, we're just winging <laughs> it. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Good Thanks, on you. Matt. Thanks, Cheers. Matt.